very interesting result in our Instagram is it cake poll. Uh, and this is the thing that I'm going to have to guess later on. So in case you missed it, Fun Fact Friday is no longer. We now play Is It Cake on a Friday. One of us reads two headlines out and then you have to decide which one is real and then which one is fake. And then the other of us has to guess it this week. It is my turn to guess it. I did vote on Insta, so I am primed and ready in terms of what I believe is real. I mean, like, I think it might have been quite obvious, but we will see. We've got plenty to get through before we get to that. So on with the show. Kia this is Newsable. I'm Jess. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. New polls, COVID isolation and alleged harassment of candidates. We round up the week with Stubbs political reporter, Glenn McConnell. Election day is October 14th, but it's also a big day in Australia. Our friends across the ditch are heading to the polls to vote on The Voice. We'll explain what you need to know. Blowing wombats, illuminated echidnas and fluorescent foxes. The new scientific study of glowing animals. And we've got something new for you this week. As mentioned, the first ever Is It Cake without any actual cake. I feel like we should have we should have we should have organised cake. Friday cake day. That's gotta be a new thing. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our Mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Okay, it's that time of the week again to take a look back at the week that was in politics. It's been another biggie, hasn't it? It has indeed. The Prime Minister has COVID. There was a poll. There was meant to be a debate. So here to talk us through it all once again is Stuff Political Reporter Glenn McConnell. Kia ora. Kia ora, two weeks to go. I know, you must be <laughs> counting down the days. Glenn, Te Party Māori candidate uh, Hana Rafati Maipi Clark will start with her story from the last few days. She's come out and said her home's been invaded or broken into uh, multiple times. The party says these have been politically motivated attacks. What more do we know about all of that? Yeah, this is such a sinister element of this election campaign. Um, Hana Rafati, a young candidate, just 21 years old from Te Pāti Māori, says that there have been people going through her rubbish, people showing up at her house, people vandalising the fence outside her house, which has her billboards on it. Mm. And the latest incident, they called police when somebody turned up uh, while she was away and, and apparently tried getting into her house. A few candidates actually around the country have experienced this sort of threatening behaviour. And uh, this seems to be ongoing, especially for, for Anarafati. What do we know about what is being done about that? We've gone to police about this because the Prime Minister and Leader of the Opposition during the election campaign have a security team. They call them the DPS team. And does this need to extend now to other political candidates? Like, Has mm. violence gone too far and, and have we become kind of too you know, divisive and, and angry about politics that it's becoming dangerous to campaign? That definitely appears to be a case uh, for the police extending protection to other MPs. Certainly a sinister element that no one surely would want to see. Glenn, we'll move on though. Chris Hopkins says COVID, not ideal. And of course, there was meant to be the press leaders debate down in Christchurch this week between the two Chrises. A reschedule was attempted. Things fell apart. What happened and where are we at now? Good news is the press leaders debate will go ahead next week on Tuesday night with double the leaders. Uh, but sadly, neither Chris. No. In, in the Chris versus Chris election, uh, Christopher Luxon from National and Chris Hipkins have said they don't want to attend 
the press leaders debate if they have to debate the other parties, which is a bit funny because earlier in the week, Chris Hipkins was accusing uh, Christopher Luxon of being a chicken for not wanting to debate him, um, not on Tuesday. Of course, National is saying it's not their fault that they can't make this debate. They have a busy week ahead. We don't know, obviously, what he's doing each night, but we can take uh, their word for it that it's a very busy schedule. Chris Hipkins said he was willing to, you know, find another date, any date. Obviously, that that couldn't happen. I asked Chris Hipkins, actually, uh, this week, if this was the chicken calling the chicken chicken, <laughs> given he didn't want to turn up to the press debate and face Winston Peters, Marama Davidson, David Seymour and Te Party Māori. And we had another TVNZ poll on Wednesday night. Not seeing much change in the polls lately in that Winston, he looks like he's back in Parliament and bringing some MPs with him. And Axe vote has been dropping ever so slightly. Are New Zealand First taking that Act vote? And if so, why why do we think that is? New Zealand First definitely is growing. Uh, is it coming from Act? It's hard to know. Maybe there's a bit of movement in between the parties. Everyone essentially is pretty steady apart from New Zealand First is growing and ACT is falling. New Zealand First is trying to appeal to a bunch of different groups of people for grievances of all sorts and a lot of really tiny new parties like New Zealand Loyal, Freedoms New Zealand. It's becoming clear that these will not get into parliament. But maybe New Zealand First is the party for that kind of religious and COVID sceptical anti-mandate type of crowd. Glenn, any policies of note? It's the question you know I'm going to ask you every week. <laughs> this has been a, a kind of policy light week, to be honest. All the big policies were announced ahead of Monday when uh, advanced voting opened. Mm. They've got all their big policies out ahead of this week uh, for voters to consider as voting really begins. Glenn, before you go, do you want to play a quick round of visit cake? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to read two headlines. And you're going to choose which one is real. Good luck, Glenn. It's not as easy as it sounds. Austrian cows amaze onlookers with accidental choir performance or Greek sheep eat cannabis after fields damaged by flood, which is the real story. I think they're, they're cannabis-eating animals. Well, make sure you listen to the whole episode to find out. <laughs> Glenn McConnell, always a joy to have you on. Thanks for chatting. See ya. Today, we want to know, is it okay to call it Friye anymore? Has it ever been okay to call it Friye? You know, I am one of those people that saves everything good till Friday. I like have a nice lunch on Friday, have a nice dinner, so I am all about the Friye. I have been partial to a cheeky Friye, but uh, get your votes in. Find us on Insta, search Newsable NZ. Friye, yay or nay. Aotearoa is heading to the polls next Saturday. We know you know that. But what you might not know is our friends across the ditch are also heading to the ballot box on the same day. Not for a new government, but for a referendum on whether to give Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders a voice in the Australian Parliament. Jess has been reading up on this one. Please break it down. All right. So this referendum, if it was successful, it would amend the Australian Constitution and it would establish a new advisory body for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And it's going to be called the Voice to Parliament. And the new body would provide advice and make representations to Parliament and the government on any issue 
issues relating to First Nations peoples. Now, there have been these kind of bodies in Australia in the past, but they get abolished and then reinstated essentially at the will of whatever government party is in Parliament at the moment. So this move would essentially establish that presence permanently. Now, the Minister for Indigenous Australians, Linda Burney's her name, she says the voice would help remedy what she calls a long legacy of failed policies on a variety of issues from the over-representation of First Nation peoples in prison to poor outcomes for First Nation peoples in health and employment and education. So if we look here in New Zealand, we've got the designated Māori representation in the form of the Māori seats, which we've all heard about a lot. So this wouldn't be a seat as such, but it would be the first occasion Australia has considered how Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people can be meaningfully represented in the federal government. So potentially a very significant vote then for race relations in Australia. Yeah, like totally. Whatever the outcome of the referendum, it will send a a really powerful message to the rest of the world about how Australians view their country and the people in it. And I guess unsurprisingly, unfortunately, it's been a very divisive campaign which has been mired in misinformation. So many no voters feel a yes vote would give First Nation peoples the power of a veto in Parliament when it wouldn't, or they worry that an isolated group of people will be given privileges that other Australians won't get, which is also not true. So it's been a really uphill battle for this yes vote, not made any easier by the fact that First Nation peoples account for just 4% of the population, meaning there's 96% of people who aren't actually you know, directly affected by the referendum. And in terms of how the polls are tracking at the moment, it is, it's really close. The latest snapshot shows about 49% of people intend to vote no, and 43% would vote yes, with about 8% of people unsure. The Aussie PM, he's Anthony Albanese, he's backing the yes vote and he's declared that thousands of one-on-one conversations between voice supporters and ordinary voters over the next week could swing those wavering Australians to cast a yes vote for the voice. Definitely something to keep in mind then when we're waking up the day after our election. Check out what's happening across the ditch. No doubt it'll be a huge day for them as well. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead... The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, Subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Glowing Animal Corridor is up next, but while we've got your attention, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform because it really does help other people find us. Emmo, if you could guess how many animals glow, how many would you say? You're talking glow in the dark? Or? Uh, sorry, uh, to clarify, glow under like a UV light, like CSI. Uh-huh, okay. Well, I do know that scorpions glow under UV light. Now that I've said that so confidently, I'm not so confident, but maybe like five. I couldn't name five. I couldn't give you five, but I'm. I, that sounds like a normal number. Uh, I mean, there, there is a five in it. You just have to add 120 to the five, 125. I'm sorry, what? I know. Australian researchers have just published a report that's found 125 old animals glow under UV light, including, and if you're going to love this, wombats, yes. platypuses, yes. Wow. And 
koalas. Oh, koalas grow under UV lights. <laughs> and here to tell us more about this amazing scientific paper is one of its authors, Kenny Trevallon, who is the Director of Mammalogy at the Western Australian Museum. Kia ora, Kenny. Morning. Thank you so much for joining us on Usable. Now, why, why, Kenny, was this something that you wanted to research? Uh, look, it started when um, uh, what my colleague found this paper that reported that platypus was glowing under UV light. We have the collection right there. We thought, like, let's get a UV light torch and let's turn on the light and see what actually glows in the collection. And so we went in there and so we tried the platypus first and found that it glowed, but a bit different to what was reported. And then we just got, went around and did everything. <laughs> and then I posted some pictures on, on Twitter and then... Um, uh, colleagues at Curtin University contacted me and said, like, hey, do you want to do some experiment on this and like try and like answer some questions? How did you carry out this experiment and test? Because I'm struggling to picture you, even though it would be funny, running after an echidna <laughs> with a UV light. Um, no, so we didn't do it on, on any live animals because you need ethics for this. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah. so what <laughs> we did good, is good. Uh, we used uh, roadkills, so freshly dead animals, that were frozen because there's no platypus or devils in Western Australia. So we had to get colleagues from Tasmania to send us some in the mail. So oh, that many thanks to the Tasmanian Museum for sending us those specimens. So do we think it's genetic or is it something to do with what they're eating? What What are the link between all these animals? No, it will be the proteins in, in their fur or their skin that actually uh, mm. when the light hits that protein, it changes the, the frequency of, of the light and moves it into the visible light range. And that's why it glows into the colour that we can see. Is there a benefit to being an animal or mammal that glows under UV light? So we're not quite sure if there is a benefit, but because it seems to be so common and it seems to be that it's all fur that is white or very light in colour will glow and also all the pale skins. And we felt like there was a correlation that even though... The diurnal mammals were glowing, just like the nocturnal. It was more nocturnal mammals are glowing. Mm. Uh, so we do think there's a link there. And the second link was with um, tree-dwelling, borrowing and terrestrial mammals, much more so than the aquatic. Kenny, was I right about scorpions? Yes. <gasps> I, I, yes! Scorpions are actually <laughs> spectacular um, are the UV lights. And uh, pe- people that research scorpions go out at night with a UV light and they just, <gasps> that's how they find them. Good, nope. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Don't nope, know if nope. I'm a fan of that, yeah. Kenny Trevellan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Western Australian Museum Director of Mammalogy. Appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. The time is here. Hello and welcome. First ever Is It Cake? Kia ora, kia ora. Welcome to Is It Cake. I'm quite excited about this. I am too. Um, Thank you, everyone, for getting so involved on the Instagram page as well. I loved your responses. Exactly. The poll has been popping off. All right. The first headlines for Is It Cake Ever are Austrian cows amaze onlookers with accidental choir performance Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or Greek sheep eat cannabis after fields damaged by flood. Let me get the Instagram up. I'll tell you. What do the people think? Oh, oh, okay. I've been following this closely because this is first, first yeah, ever one. I've so I've seen I, you. Yes, checking this regularly. I cannot keep my eyes off my phone. Fifty-three percent of you uh-huh. say 
it's the sheep eating cannabis. Really? 47% say it's the choir of cows. What does Jess McCarthy well, say? Not to uh, bore everyone to tears with my travel stories, but I have been to Switzerland, famously not Austria, but they've got cows. The cows have bells. The bells make noise uh, at different times. So my thinking is it's the cow bells that have made this choir performance, and I just don't feel like the sheep in that headline. Why have they, why have they eaten cannabis as a you know like it's as a result of the storm damage? I think there's everything you want to know in the cow choir headline so sorry audience i think it's the cows that's the real one hit me the cows are the cake no the cows are the oh the cows are cake the sheep are real oh what (laughs) okay this you came up with cow choir by yourself i made that one up oh i think the fake headline is actually the real competition here i want the fake headline to be real (laughs) in your head were the cows singing or was it the bells of the cows it was the singing of the cows so i do enjoy how you've taken it somewhere else and i was so braggy about my trip to switzerland all right this is sky news Keep off that grass. Herd of sheep eats 100 kilograms of cannabis in Greece after Storm Daniel floods. What does a stone sheep do? I don't know, but it's probably bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's the cake. You know what? We'll wrap it up there. Thanks for playing along. Cannot wait to play again next week. Have a lovely weekend. That is Newsball for today. I'm Imogen Wells. I'm Jess McCarthy. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next week. Newsable. News that's worth talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, I think Chris, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, we're, I'm not worried about it at all. That's Nothing iffy in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.